Thank you. Please, don't lose where you are. Just I, I want you to stay here because it's a good place for us to be where the Spirit of God is. Uh, this, this week has been so busy for our country because uh, our queen is lying in state. And I've been really amazed by how many people have turned out in huge numbers to go and pay their last respects to the queen. But it is also a surprise that the queen has been on the throne for, I think it is 70 years she has been on the throne. But it's a matter of fact that the queen rules over the commonwealth. But I want to bet, I haven't looked at statistics, this is just coming out of my head. I want to bet that 90% of her subjects have never had a one-to-one -one audience with her. Yet she has been ruling for 70 years. But she's dead. But we serve a king who is alive, Jesus. He is seated on the throne. He is not dead. But we don't have to wait for 70 years or 10 years or a day. We have an audience with our king every moment of our life. So I want to encourage you this morning that the king of kings and the lord of lords, he has your ear. He's got your attention. Anytime, anything you want to bring before him, he's got you. And he's ready and willing to listen to you. I'm not intending to teach or preach this morning, but I thought I'll just speak to you about a few things. We are going through a series called Making Disciples Who Make Disciples. And I have to start by confessing that I feel so inadequate to speak on this subject. And it is not just me, all of my fellow elders, we all feel so inadequate to speak on this topic. But we have to speak on this topic and encourage one another because it is one of the greatest commandments that the Lord Jesus gave us and said in Matthew 28 that we go out, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and teaching them how to obey all that he has given to us. So it is a responsibility of all of us that we will be able to go and make disciples. But I have to tell you that my comfort place is at church speaking to believers. My comfort place is speaking to people who already know Jesus. But I'm not going to make disciples speaking to the choir. I'm going to make disciples going out in the world, reaching the unreached. But how can I do that? How can we do that? I want to share with you a story of how Jesus did it. And maybe you and I today can learn how we can be able to do it. I'm speaking from the book of Matthew chapter 9. And I'm going to just take a few verses from verse 9 to verse 12. The Bible says, as Jesus, as Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. 
and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. To help us understand, I want to put a little bit of context in these words. Matthew, his other name is Levi. Which means that he, he was a Jew from the tribe of the, the, the Levites, the, Levitic, the, the Levites, yes. The Levites were priests. They served at the temple. But Matthew had diverted his path. Instead of being a priest and serving at the, at, at the temple, he had become a tax collector. Now, you have to realize that at this time, when Jesus is meeting Matthew, the nation of Israel was under captivity or under invasion by the Roman Empire. So they were under Roman rule. Now, the tax collectors were the most despised people in the society. Why were they the most despised people? Because these were Jews who were collaborating with the Romans who had invaded Israel. And the tax collectors were so notorious in their practices and how they carried on their business. Everyone who was a Jew considered them to be traitors. And they were considered to be an outcast in society. Now, they were very powerful people because they had the power and the authority to use Rome's rule to extort money to tax people and to abuse even the power that they had been given. Now, tax collecting was such a lucrative business because what was happening is that they would meet and they would discuss who is going to be a tax collector at a certain area. So what the Roman Empire would do, they would say, okay, for Adolston, we want tax collectors to bring, let me say, for example, 10,000 a month. So these tax collectors would gather around and they would bid to be the tax collector that will collect for Adolston. So they would bid and say, oh, I'll bring 10,000. Another one will say, no, I'll bring 12. Another one will say, I'll be... So at the end of the day, whoever had the highest bid will get the contract to be the tax collector in that region. And the rule with the empire was that you will bring your quota, but anything that you get above that is your money. So it was a very lucrative business. So all a tax collector would do is make the highest bidder or the lowest bidder, how, however he gets the contract, and then he will use the Roman soldiers to intimidate people, to extort people, because they had the authority, and they were fleecing people of their resources. And that is why they were hated so much. But even though Matthew was a rich man and he was collecting taxes, Matthew wasn't at peace. Because deep inside, and you and I will identify with this when we were still dark in our sins, deep inside, there is a longing that is in every man's heart. There is a longing for acceptance. There is a longing for forgiveness. There is a longing for love. There is a longing for peace. But Matthew could never find this 
in his work, in his business, even with all the riches that he had, he could never find such peace. So there came a day when Jesus was passing by and Jesus says, Matthew, follow me. And the Bible says that Matthew, leaving everything, he followed Jesus. Now I ask myself, why would a man leave everything to follow another man? He was a very prominent man in society, even though he didn't have status, even though he didn't have respect, even though he was despised, but he felt it right to quit everything and follow Jesus. So there must have been something that he saw in Jesus. There must have been something so tangible that he saw that was worth to quit everything that he ever had and said, I'm going to leave everything behind and follow Jesus. When Matthew left everything, it cost him everything. And I was thinking about this and asking myself, what have I left to follow Jesus? What am I going to leave to follow Jesus? Has it costed me something to follow Jesus? Is it going to cost me something to follow Jesus? Matthew saw something so precious in Jesus that he was willing to leave everything to follow him. It made me ask myself another question. Is there someone out there that can see something in me that is worth following me for? It made me reflect on my Christian life. How do I present myself? How do I walk? How do people view me? If I go and talk to someone and tell someone, can you come with me? Are they going to live and follow me? Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is in essence saying that there is a light in each one of us. Now, don't hide that light. Let that light shine so that the other people around you can see that light and glorify God. Now, it's sometimes hard to believe that there is light in us. But when Christ makes his residence in us, even though you might not see it, even though you might feel like you are not experiencing it, I want to assure you that as a follower of Jesus, there is a light inside of you. And you need to acknowledge and know every day that that light is reflecting. And it is your duty and ability to continue fanning into flame that light because there are others who are looking at you and wondering, why are you like that? And through the light that is illuminating from you, they are going to come to faith. Now, I forget this all the time until someone reminds me. We, we've had 
a few people, like around five members of staff, joined my team at work. And recently, I turned up at work, and at the moment, it's, it's not pretty at work. It's so difficult. We have one young person who is off the rails, and it's so difficult, and staff are finding it so difficult even just to come into work. So a few weeks ago, I walk into work, my usual self, I was doing my thing, as normal as I can be. As my colleague opened the door for me, one of the new members of staff, he's like, Felix, you got to tell me your secret. And I'm like, what secret? He's like, you are so joyful and happy all the time. Even in the current situation, how it is so gloomy and so difficult to come to work, you can come to work smiling like that. Please, you have to tell me the secret. So as I am standing there in the doorway, two of my colleagues are in the office. My manager is in the next office. I'm thinking, oh, goodness, what am I going to say here? <laughs> so I look at him and I say, do you want the political correct answer or do you want the real answer? And he say, I would like the real answer. So I tell him, it is Jesus. God loves me so much. And God is in my heart. And I know it doesn't matter what anybody tells me. It doesn't matter how much mud they throw at me. I know at the end of the day, God loves me and nobody has the power to change that. And that is the reason why I can smile when I'm being abused, when things are being thrown at me, when all sorts of words are being said, I can still smile. Because my identity doesn't come from people, it comes from God. So he said, wow, I've heard of God. And I think I know God is there, but I would really like to know God. So I said, speak to me. So I pray for another opportunity to speak to him about Jesus. So there is always a light illuminating from us. Even though we don't see it, even though we might be facing through difficulty and we might not perceive it, but people around us can see that. And it is our responsibility to be in a position to explain the reason why we believe when we are into that circumstance. The second thing that amazes me is that when Matthew follows Jesus, he doesn't follow and keep quiet. He goes and tells someone about it. And my question to me and you is that, who are we going to tell about Jesus? This joy that we have, this peace that we experience, this good news that we have, who are we going to tell? Because Jesus did not give us this good news or this peace so that we can keep it for ourselves. He has given us so that we can be able to share and illuminate to the world around us. So who are we going to tell? And I'm going to just leave that with you to think, who am I going to tell about Jesus? For Matthew, he said, I'm going to go back and invite all my friends. So he went and invited all the tax collectors and all the sinners into his house for a meal. And I can just imagine the crowd that was in Matthew's house. All these tax collectors that he used to hang around with. 
All of those guys in the pub where he used to go and spend his money, all the prostitutes that he used to go into when he used to have money and want to pleasure, all of the people that were on the outskirts that he used to hang around with, he says, come to my house. And as they come to Matthew's house, they are there eating and enjoying. And I can just imagine Matthew standing and saying, guys, I invited you here to tell you that I'm quitting it all. And someone would have asked, what? Are you out of your mind, Matthew? You are leaving the business? And Matthew would say, yes. I have never been so sure about anything in my life. I'm leaving all this. And a friend would have asked, why? Why, Matthew? Why would you leave this? And Matthew would say, because I met a man. I met a man who has loved me than nobody has ever loved me. I've met a man who has accepted me like no one has ever accepted me. I've met a man for the first time who has looked at me and has not judged me at all. He has sat with me. He has spoken to me. He has introduced me to his friends. And he has called me his own. And because of that man, I am quitting everything. And I can just see his friends and his colleague because they can identify with the things that Matthew is telling them. The deep longing to belong. The deep longing for someone to love them. The deep longing to be forgiveness. I can see it in their eyes. So much eager and wondering, who is this man that will take all this guilt and shame away from you? Who is this man? And then Jesus would open his mouth and start speaking. And start speaking about the love of the Father. He will start speaking to them about how he has come for people like them. We have a responsibility to go tell someone about this Jesus. We have a responsibility to go share with those people that we believe that they are beyond God's grace. We have a responsibility to go and tell them there is a Father who loves you, who cares for you, who delights in you. And we might think and assume that these people will not have anything to do with this God, but the reality is that there is a longing in every man's heart for forgiveness, for love, for belonging, for acceptance. And if only we would share this story, someone somewhere is going to identify with it. But I am sorry to say, most of the time in church, our attitude is like the attitude of the Pharisees. So in this party that Matthew had invited in his house, there are people who crushed this party. They were not invited, but they crushed the party. And these were Pharisees and scribes and teachers of the law. So they start murmuring and saying, how dare Jesus eat with the sinners? How is it that he is associating with those people? And Jesus, hearing what they were saying, answered them and told them, it is not the healthy that go to a doctor, but the sick. Believe me, I've been at St. Peter's Hospital. 
Now, when you go to St. Peter's Hospital, you pass through the corridors of the hospital, you don't see party poppers and wine and champagne and, and, and disco music and people having merry. You don't. When you pass through the corridors of St. Peter's, you feel the quietness. And you can see this, you can sense this kind of heaviness of despair and fear and unhappiness as you walk into this, the, the corridors. Because people who are there, they are not well. They are sick. They are looking for a doctor who can attend to them. You won't find the doctors at St. Peter's Hospital having a party with healthy people and making merry. And if you find a doctor in hospital having a party and making merry, there is something seriously wrong with that doctor. His responsibility, his job there is to make people well. And that is what Jesus is telling these people. You are there, you as Pharisees, you are like doctors. You have been given that responsibility to make these people well. But instead of making them well, you are saying, you just continue being sick. I'm not going to get involved. But then to make matters worse, you are even accusing someone who is trying to help and make them well, you are accusing them of doing what is right. And then the, there comes now the wiseness and the smartness of Jesus. Jesus is so wise and smart. So he tells them, remember these are Pharisees and Sadducees. They are very well educated in matters of law. They are very well acquainted with the scriptures. So Jesus quotes for them the very own scriptures that they present that they know. So he quotes them, Hosea 6.6. He tells them, go learn this. Go learn this. He says, it, uh, I desire mercy not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So he is telling them, even the very own scriptures that you speak about, that you present to people that you are holier than thou, the same scriptures are talking about the love of the Father. The heart of the Father is that he is not interested in your prayers in the streets and your beautiful robes that you are wearing. He's not interested in people knowing that you are fasting. He's not interested in people knowing that you are going to church. But he is interested in you reaching out with love to those people who are sitting on the outside and loving them and caring them and showing them a picture of love of the Father. And this really caught me to realize that where is my weight as a Christian? Is my weight as a Christian in my fellow believers encouraging them, ministering to them, loving them? Or is my weight with the non-reached in the society? And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there is anything wrong to ministering to each other, encouraging one another at church, building together. What we have as a church and a congregation is so beautiful. 
It's so good on Sunday morning to come and encourage and love one another and speak to one another and thank God and praise God together as a community of believers. There is so much richness in that and I don't want to diminish that at all. But we got to understand that multiplication of disciples is not going to come as a result of gathering on a Sunday morning. Multiplication of disciples is going to come within the spheres, within the realms of where God has sent you to be able to minister. Multiplication will happen at food bank. Multiplication will happen at revive. Multiplication will happen at your workplace. Multiplication will happen at Tesco or Sainsbury while you are doing shopping. That is where you will find people who are sitting on the outskirts. And as a church and congregation, we need to change our culture so that if those people are not coming to church, we can take church to them. And that is what Jesus did. He developed a culture of taking people, taking the church to the people where they are. Because those people will rarely be able to come to church. We need to go and find them where they are. And the beauty of this is that God is not sending you anywhere that you can't reach. God is sending you in the same cycles that you are in. But my problem is there are people I have blacked myself to thinking these are beyond God's grace. These are beyond God's mercy. Because probably I have spoken to them several times and they have rejected the gospel or because they are engraved in a certain sin and I just feel that one will never be saved. So I don't even need to bother. Yesterday, let me put some flesh on this. So yesterday I'm at work. I had gone to support a shift which was struggling. So I'm at work. I slept there. Uh, this is into yesterday morning, not yesterday, yesterday, into yesterday morning. So I slept at work on Friday into Saturday. So in the morning, I wake up with my colleagues. So I was cooked some bacon and sausages. So sat at the breakfast table. I was enjoying my bacon and sausage. So my colleague, who is another new member of staff, she's a... Uh, she lives here, but she's originally from Somali. And I know, as a matter of fact, she's a Muslim. So she finds me on the breakfast table having sausage, uh, sausages and bacon. And she's like, huh, I didn't know you eat bacon? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I eat bacon. <laughs> Why? I'm a Christian. <laughs> So she's like, oh, I just assumed, because I have lots of Kenyan friends, I just assumed since you come from Kenya, I didn't know you are a Christian. I just assumed. So she just, and I, I'm, I'm reading her mind, I'm hearing, I just assumed that you are a Muslim, so you shouldn't be eating bacon. So this kind of caught me by surprise. One, how dare she think that I am a Muslim? <laughs> And number two, 
why would she not know I'm a Christian? So it gives me some sort of attitude even in my answer. And why that attitude is there? Because I had already missed an opportunity to reach out to this Muslim girl because I had put her into the box of this one is already gone. I cannot reach out to her. So jokingly, she says, <laughs> oh, you can join us anytime. <laughs> and I'm reading her and I'm like, did she just dare invite me to be a Muslim? <laughs> so all my flesh is thinking of really giving it to her. And how I'm thinking of giving it to her is to tell her, what do you mean? I go to church. You know, I'm a leader at church. You know, I, I pray every morning. I attend church. And I'm just thinking the legalistic way for me to kind of pump her and prove to her that I am a believer. But you will never convert people that way. So on reflection, I didn't say anything. Thank God. I didn't say anything. I kept quiet. I was embarrassed and disappointed in myself. But as I was reflecting on this, I was thinking, what if I was always on the watch out thinking that, oh, there is someone here that is unreached that I can reach to? What if I was in that zone that morning and telling God, oh God, I'm working with this Muslim girl. Give me opportunity to be able to reach out to her. Give me a moment that I can be able to speak to her. When she would have come and asked me, oh, I didn't know you eat bacon. Now, thinking about it, this would have been my response. I would have told her, oh, you know what? There was a time in my life that I was so much crammed with the rules and regulation, do this and don't do that. But do you know what? I am free of it all. Because I met someone who has given me the freedom to eat and not to feel guilty, to rejoice and be close to him without any shame or without any guilt. And probably she would have the interest to ask me, who is this person that we, you met? And I would have had a, an opportunity to introduce to her Jesus. So as I am just telling you and encouraging you at the same time, we have opportunities to continue reaching out to the unreached. But we have to change our mindset to know that there is nobody that is outside God's reach. Because God is willing to reach out to everyone and he's going to do that through us. So as we go, I just want to pray with you. If you are struggling, I'll put my hand up and say, I'm really struggling to speak to the unreached. I'm really struggling to speak to someone that I know definitely they don't even believe in God and they don't want to entertain it. I want to pray that may the Lord give us courage, even as we go through this series of making disciples, may he give us courage to have those difficult conversations, to be able to live out our faith and express so that even without saying anything, someone can ask you, why are you like this? And we can be able to explain the reason why we believe. Shall we bow down?